Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from Evening Express and Pressing Journal. I'm Ryan Crail and today I'm joined by Jamie Durant, Andy Skinner and Sean Wallace. Right to left on my screen, how are we guys? All good, thank you. All good, Ryan, thanks. I mean, in terms of our teams, it has been a reasonably positive return following the international break. I think it's safe to say, not for all of them, certainly not for all of them, but for... Aberdeen, Inverness, Cove Rangers, Elgin, things feel reasonably okay, I would suggest. We've got Ross County as well, um, which we'll get on to. But yes, let's start with Aberdeen, who came back to record a rampant win against Kilmarnock. Sean, they conceded a goal from a set piece, which is an ongoing frustration, something that really gets to me because I think managers say that that's one of the the things that should be quite easy to defend against because it's you know everyone has a chance to line up and get in position and get close to their man things like that they can't stop conceding from them though but I mean the rest of the game seemed like they were pretty rampant aye they certainly were I mean it was great to watch but you can see that the inability to defence set pieces was getting to Jim Goodwin as well in the post-match uh, press conference. I mean, although he was clearly delighted at the win, he did point out that his frustration at conceding from a, direct from a corner. And as you said, it is like a, a recurring theme this season. I mean, we've lost a number of goals from set pieces and that one against Kilmarnock. I mean, all the people you should be picking up in the box, it should be Ash Taylor. It's not like... He, no one's aware of his aerial threat. I mean, the ball came in. And I think the problem is it's not getting dealt with at source. I mean, that should have been headed out before it got to Taylor. I think Kennedy, Matty Kennedy went for the ball, missed it, and then there seemed to be a misunderstanding on who was picking up Ash Taylor. Just a free header. And it is, it is a concern, that, because, I mean, it's a vulnerability that other teams will be looking at and they'll be looking to exploit it, especially if it continues to, to go on. But that, that was the, the only negative, and what was a fantastic day for Aberdeen. They played some great football. Yeah, very clinical in front of goal. It could have been more than four. I mean, it was a bit of a chasing in the turn to Aberdeen for former manager Derek McInnes, who I was, I was really glad that he got such a warm welcome by the Dons fans prior to kick-off. I mean, he certainly deserved that, and it was good to see Aberdeen supporters recognise what he did for Aberdeen during his eight years at the club. I mean, I know ultimately everything comes to an end, and I think it got stale under McInnes, and it was probably the right time for him to go, but you've got to acknowledge what he did for Aberdeen, and it's a fair play to the Dons fans for doing that. Bojan Majowski, he came back from international duty. I think he scored an own goal, didn't he, on international duty in one of the games? Yeah, against but Georgia. He, yeah, but he he kept up the decent, I say decent, it's probably more than decent scoring run he's been on, certainly at home since signing for the Dons. Another couple of goals to add to his tally. Great penalty taker, scored another one of those, and one from open play as well. But the first goal for the Dons was scored by Vicente Bazelin, who I think we discussed last time we recorded a podcast a couple of weeks ago, but how he had to offer more and he was in danger of losing his spot. Costed on a lot of money when he signed last January, half a million pounds. But he got himself on the score sheet, so that's us eating our words, rammed the words down our throat. 
But I think that's what you want, is it? When when players are underperforming in a game or two, you want that pressure on them. They, they've got the knowledge that if they don't pick it up pretty soon, they're going to lose their spot with players hungry to take over from them. And that seems to be the, the situation in all positions, apart from centre-back and maybe right-back. But there's that competition for places. And uh, Vinny was, was very good against Kilmarnock. Special mention as well for Marley Watkins. He came in from the cold. A bit of a shock to see him in the starting lineup, but he was he was very impressive. Seemed to make a bit of a, a cause a bit of a social media storm this week, Sean, with your uh, comparison <laughs> yeah. about Mayoski. And I think a certain Mister Mister Rooney had something to say about that. I uh, yeah, Adam says I uh, used to like me, but <laughs> but not anymore. But he, to be fair, he did put smiley faces by it. So. We understood what you oh, meant, Sean, by assigning Q. I don't think everyone quite understood what you were, the, the comparison you were trying to make, but uh, yeah. we I did. Mean, I, I stand by it. I mean, people keep saying, oh, what about Duncan Shearer? What about Adam Rooney? And my point was, they weren't considered major signing coups at the time. I mean, Duncan, a fantastic goal scorer and player for Aberdeen, but he wasn't a Scotland international when he came to Aberdeen. And He'd only played, I think, like it was between six and ten games for Blackburn. And the same with uh, Adam when he came to Aberdeen. He wasn't a prolific scorer at Oldham. They went on to be huge successes and both club legends. But my, my point was that Majowski was an established international who scored goals when played through the middle. He was a number nine. And he was only one win away from playing the World Cup. And they got him for about a quarter of what he was valued at six months previously. So to me, that constitutes a signing coup. Especially as he's banging in the goals as well. So this weekend... <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, Aberdeen take on Dundee United, who I believe might be in a bit of trouble this season, I'm not sure. But, um, I mean, going into this game, 6pm Saturday kick-off, Sure, a lot of people that are going to that game will be well tanked up and enjoying themselves. I think quite a lot of Don's fans are going. I understand it's almost sold out to their allocation if it hasn't sold out already, but um, I think all the signs are that Aberdeen are going down there to make a statement and really, sort of, you know, really put the boot into struggling United. Is that a very dangerous position to be going into the game in? Is this all set up to be a a disappointing evening? Perhaps <laughs> it's a tough one. I mean, on form, you would say Aberdeen should win this. When you when you sort of contrast how poor Dundee United have been recently with how strong Aberdeen were against Kilmarnock, but you've got to factor in Aberdeen's atrocious away form in the Premiership into that. They've only won two games in the last twenty-two on the road in the league. I think it's one in the last fourteen. So. I mean, they haven't had their troubles to seek away from Pitodri. And my gut feeling tells me that they'll edge it. But it's, it's going to be a close one. It's, they always are against yeah, in the new firm derbies. Oh, it, was a, it was a game I always used to think would end up 1-1 when they played Dundee United. But I'm going to go different and fancy like just to edge it by a goal, maybe 2-1. But, I mean, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic atmosphere. I'll go Dundee's second 9-0 chasing of the season. <laughs> Boy, Mayowski with all nine. Um, That's okay. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, Duncan Shearer did make a good point. Duncan Shearer, we've obviously discussed already. Boyan, we obviously keep, we've obviously discussed already. Um, Duncan was saying this PJ column this week that the next step for Mayovsky is to start scoring those goals away from home, isn't it? And this is a brilliant chance, I suppose. Aye, definitely. It is a brilliant chance. I mean, Dundee United have conceded the most goals than any team in the Premiership this season. I mean, a lot of that's down to the 9-0 defeat to, to Celtic. I mean, he does need to start banging in a few goals on his own. And hopefully it'll come on Saturday. Okay, yeah. Big game this weekend for Aberdeen. Probably don't want to take a psychological blow when they've got Hearts coming up the weekend after, as well as a League Cup quarter-final against Park Thistle the midweek following. But we'll move on from the Dons, and next up we'll discuss Ross County. Ross County. Ross County. Okay, Andy, County um, heavy defeat on Tuesday against Motherwell, beat five at home. Falling on from a 2-0 loss at home to Hibs at the weekend. I think Malky McKay apologised to the fans after Tuesday night's result. How bad are things in Dingwall at the moment? What's the mood like? Um, there's no <coughs> hiding from the fact that they're in a, a predicament. There's uh, there's no disguising that because, um, you know, although it's not been inspiring in the early few weeks of the season, I wouldn't say it's been truly alarming until these last couple of games and it, it's the the manner that they've lost by I think that's probably the the concerning part because we've spoken quite a lot this season about how there looked to be quite a a good solidity and resilience defensively um, their problem has been you know creating chances and scoring goals uh, that remains a problem but now they've conceded seven in their last two games so the the whole notion that they're uh, kind of sound as a defensive unit, is kind of taken a, a hit. So, um, yeah, to, to lose five on your own patch, um, particularly when you know it's a Motherwell team that were sitting within reasonable reach of them. There was only a goal between the two sides at half time, um, and you know the way they lost the goals in the second half. Um, it's going to be, a, you know, it could be a tough one for them to to recover from, but. Um, certainly a massive response is, is needed now and you know I would imagine it's been a, a bit of a wake-up call to a, a team that hasn't particularly got going yet. I think what one league win so far for County, yep. August 20th against Kilmarnock, that's a long time ago, a lot of games in between then and now despite the international break. Livingston this weekend I believe it is. Exactly where you want Livy to go when you need a win isn't it? <laughs> Livingston away. Yeah, but I, I mean Livy... If this is a crumb of comfort, Livy, I think, have lost their last two games in the league as well. So, two teams searching for a result. Um, do you think it'll come? Um, I mean, County don't have a good record at Almond Vale. They've not won in 10 years. Uh, I mean, I know the two sides haven't been in the same division for a good number of them, but uh, it's not been a happy hunting ground. I think something that I've touched upon in a piece that I've written in the aftermath of the game on Wednesday is the fact that you know, County haven't really been ahead at all this season. They've scored four goals. Um, you know, two of them have been uh, in defeats to Hearts and Celtic. One was a late equaliser against Aberdeen. The only time they've they've taken the lead in a game was in the 86th minute, which got them the the one win against Kilmarnock through Awura Edwards. So, uh, you know, just with 
you know, a lot of new players in that attacking position trying to come in and stamp a mark on the side. I'd be fascinated to see how they would um, develop during the course of a game if they were to take an early lead. And if they can do that this weekend, then, you know, you might see a different side of the, you know, some of these players because, you know, they're all still um, yet to prove uh, that they can sort of replicate some of the, the firepower that was lost last season. Um, but definitely a crucial period because, I mean, you, you look at Kilmarnock who were below them uh, and Dundee United who are obviously rooted to the foot of the table. Um, they, they'll be looking at County's recent results and you know that might give them a, a boost uh, in, in their own efforts to try and turn around their form knowing that there's a team that they can potentially catch. We've perhaps already seen that with Kilmarnock's win against St. Johnson last night. So, um, you know, with those two teams coming up, uh, you know, for County after the trip to Livy, it's certainly a, a crunch period. And, you know, Malky Mackay's got to hope that, you know, such a bruising defeat can have some sort of galvanising effect on the, the Staggies. Yeah, well, looking down the way, we've discussed Dundee United and their tragedy of a season to this point, but I think it's just a five-goal swing that's needed and for United to win on Saturday and County to lose and County go to the bottom of the table which shows you how grim things have become and how quickly I suppose anyway across the Highlands Inverness it's totally totally different mood music there 1-0 win at air last weekend tight one but what it has done is set up a massive Friday night game at home to Partick Thistle which could see Inverness will not go top of the table but pool level on points at the, the top of the table. Yeah, and that's a great incentive for them, particularly when you consider the fact that they were beaten really comprehensively by Thistle the last time. It was a 4-1 defeat on a, another Friday night game, I think it was, down at Firhill. And, um, you know, Inverness lost a, another league game after that. You know, at that stage, their form did take a, a bit of a dip. So, you know, they were kind of trailing Thistle by a few points. And now to have the, the opportunity to claw level with them with a, a victory at home on Friday, um, you know, kind of brings things back to, you know, a level playing field again going into the the next round of fixtures. Um, certainly it's been a great response from Inverness in these last three away games. Um, Cameron Harper uh, leaping to the uh, to the goods again with a, a header this time. Um, nice finish from a Stephen Boyd cross to, to be, defeat Air United. So... Um, they're a team that are clearly confident just now and it's their first home game in a while so um, you know it's it's a good chance for them to, to go and uh, you know continue that form against you know a team that similarly are, are right up there as well I mean we've we've spoken about we'll speak about this in a minute with Cove as well but one thing we're really seeing in the championship again this season is it doesn't take many results does it to be strung together or many sort of performers to come to the fore I'm thinking of Inverness like Cameron Harper just a few weeks of that and all of a sudden you're you're very much like solidly in at least the playoff spots and you know and there's a chance that not many other teams will manage to string that many results together so you know you might stay there the whole season if you manage to do a job like that now I without a doubt and you know you look at Inverness's start last season um from their opening quarter um or opening round of fixtures they I think they took 22 points it was seven wins one draw and one defeat um, and this is going to be their, their ninth game that they play this weekend. Uh, it's not a round of fixtures because obviously the Hamilton game was postponed uh, earlier uh, in the, the season last month, but 
Um, if they can win this one, then that takes them to, to 17 points after the first nine uh, matches, which you know obviously isn't as strong a start as last season, but it's still more than uh, acceptable in the championship. And and you know as it's shown, it's put them right up into that area where they're in contention. Um, I suppose the the flip side of that is they can't afford to have another 11 game stretch or anything near that uh, as they did last season, which threatened to you know eliminate them from even the playoff race at one point. So it's um, you know good foundations being built there at, at the start of the season, and uh, you know Billy Dodds will be you know really happy with the way that the, the team and the changes that he's made. Some some of them enforced upon him through injuries. Um, you know just how they've they've managed to um, you know keep his team fighting at the, the right end of the table. I think Inverness chasing a four-game winning run uh, this Friday. Cove already got a two-game winning run. Yeah, which I mean for Cove was much needed. Shows you the difference again that just stringing a couple of results together can make in the championship. Things are looking a lot rosier for Cove. I think Cove can potentially go into the playoff spots depending on how things go this weekend. And also, it's, I just I suppose the whole complexion their season from where it was few weeks ago has, has changed in terms of the amount of positivity around them over the last week. Absolutely. I mean, there were things were starting to look up before um, maybe the what was the international break and obviously the kind of low league teams were in the Challenge Cup. But they kind of came from behind to get draws against Hamilton and Partick and you, maybe you were starting to see signs of, of progress there. And in the Arbroath game, they kind of led from led from the front. And it's something they'd not done since the opening day of the season. And they got themselves into a dominant position and held on and kind of maybe restricted our growth to to not a lot. But the the bigger challenge was obviously going to come in the form of Dundee on, on Tuesday night, a full-time opponent, a team that should be challenging for promotion back to the Premiership again. And when Dundee kind of went ahead early on and some of the football they were playing, you were kind of thinking, are they going to get a bit of a chase in here? But credit to them after the, kind of that first 20-25 minutes they settled in they got a kind of a, a kind of a grip of the of the game and a kind of a foot on the ball so to speak and just kind of played themselves played themselves into it and after that the the kind of the biggest thing for me was just visually it looked like they outworked Dundee and they got their they got their rewards for it and Dundee defensively were shaky at best um and I'm sure we'll speak about the quality of the goals, but it was—I don't think there was too many too many arguments that Cove that Cove deserved the three points on on Tuesday night, and it it does just give them a little bit of a a little bit of a boost, a bit of momentum going. Now it's four games unbeaten, it's back to back wins for the first time under Jim McIntyre. Things are starting to look a little bit more a little bit more rosy, and you start to see a little bit more of an identity to this team as well. Well, yes, you touched on the goals against Dundee. I mean, Connor Scully had actually scored two against our growth as well but I mean it's great to see isn't it one of the players that has come up with Cove all the way from the Highland League before Cove got out of the Highland League Connor Scully had never played at a higher level but every level he seems to get to he seems to embrace I mean I wouldn't be surprised if two years down the line we're talking about Connor Scully and the Scotland national team the way he's, <laughs> the way he's going but I mean the, the two goals on in many ways they're the kind of goals that you can't really you can't really train into a player or a team you know to to manage that overhead kick once was fantastic but to do it a second time and to do it 
probably even better the second time. Just like when I mean, you were at the game, it must have been. Was it was it silence? Was it cheering when the second one went in? I mean, it's, it's more more acrobatics than the Cirque du Soleil, to be honest. But um, I mean, when the first one goes in, I was kind of like. It was a bit of like, whoa, like what's what's just happened here? And then the second time I when the overhead kick went in, I just burst out laughing because I was like <laughs> I didn't it's like it's not something I'd ever thought I'd see. I mean, I think Colin Scully, I think he'd scored four goals in something like four years or something like that prior to, to this kind of last week. And then he gets two against our broth and then gets two ridiculous goals on on Tuesday night. And I think we obviously we spoke to him after the game and he was kind of saying like, I don't, I don't practice anything like that. It's just something like you just do on instinct. Um, but so if he doesn't, if the first one doesn't come off, I don't think there's any way he tries the second one. And it's just like, he, at the time you probably didn't realize it, but looking on the replay, it's like, he gets off the ground a fair, a fair amount, but to get, to get to that ball, to, to steer the overhead kick in. Um, and I mean, you you can't train that and I mean you can't I mean maybe for Dundee you could probably defend the initial balls in better but for him it's like you just want this to this kind of purple patch to to continue um he's a he's a core favorite of always has and probably always will be given that say he's only ever played for Cove and probably the way the way he plays as well he's not he's not a fussy kind of player he's not someone who's going to be um, he's not someone we come, that comes with airs and graces. He, but one thing he does do is he works and works and works. He will grind. He will run himself in the ground, and he will cover every proverbial blade of grass for for the manager. And I think that's what's kept him in the team, kind of year after year. Like from I think it's four managers now at Cove that have continued to pick Connor Scully, regardless of what level um, Cove have been at from Highland League up until the Championship. And he's he's proven just now that uh, that he's more than capable of playing at this level. Yeah, salient point about overhead kicks. Very hard to defend because you you know once once the player's got their back to you and you're the defender, you don't want to get kicked in the face. So you kind of <laughs> you kind of can't get too close to them. Anyway, let's move on. We'll discuss Peterhead and Elgin's recent fortunes and that'll be us for this week's Northern Goal Okay Jamie Peterhead you were off on holiday a couple of weeks ago a couple of weekends ago and I went up to Balmoor to see Peterhead be terrible and lose 4-0 <laughs> in the SPL Trust Trophy to Elgin and then I sort of like I forgot all about Peterhead for a few days and what was it 2-2 with League One leaders Dunfermline the weekend after and then yeah I mean they got they did get beat against Edinburgh on Wednesday night so I don't like the were aspects of the performance that they were pleased with but I don't think they were taking like loads of positives from it I mean it was a pretty terrible game to be honest with you conditions weren't great and I'm not uh, I'm not entirely convinced of Meadowbank as a top flight or kind of top level uh, stadium to be hosting football to be honest and I think Jim McAnally said something along the same lines after the game but that's by the by. Um, they showed kind of great resolve in on Saturday to come back against Dunfermline, a full-time team again, another team that would be favourites to go up this season. And they got two late goals. They dug in and got something out of the game. And to be honest with you, I did think it was it was heading towards a draw on Wednesday night. Um, Edinburgh kind of had the better of the of the play, but aside from a, few, a couple of saves from Tom Ritchie and the Peterhead goal, there wasn't a lot between the two teams. And 
they do they do need something to cling on to. I think at the minute, I think everyone was kind of hoping that the result against Kelty Hearts was the turning point, and then they go and get hosed by Elgin in the cup, um, and you're kind of back to square one again. So they do need something to to cling on to. I mean, the, the player availability issue is something that's dogged them all season. I mean, despite signing twenty players in the summer, they've only been able to name only able to name four subs on Wednesday night. Um, so they've got 10 players out injured at the minute and two players that can't play because they haven't got work permits yet. So they're, they're struggling for, for bodies and you've got, a, looking at the team that was playing on on, on Wednesday night, there are a lot of players playing out of position as well, which is not going to be conducive to kind of fluid performances or anything like that. They've got go, they've got Falkirk on Saturday, which again, it doesn't get it doesn't get any easier for them. It's another full-time team to to take on um, you're just wondering when when it is going to turn for them like they are bottom of the table at the minute and confidence is probably low um, and I mean that you can't allow that to kind of linger and let it kind of set in and become like a, a kind of a real rot um, yeah it's, I mean it's there are aspects that can be pleased about and maybe one or two positives but ultimately it's it's results that are going to they're going to dictate the kind of the mood music around the place, and at the minute, the results just just aren't coming quick enough. Elgin, Andy in the division below. We've just we've talked about their result against Peterhead there, which was obviously fantastic for them to progress in that competition in the manner they did. Um, but they showed it wasn't a blip, didn't they? Uh, destroying Annan the weekend after. I think Gavin Price was talking at Balmore certainly about how results like that had been coming the performances were there they just hadn't maybe been in the key moments scoring the chances they had they'd created they were maybe conceding cheaply but it appears they have found the formula over the last two games keep it going this weekend and similar to what we're discussing with the championship against Stranraer then you know they could feasibly be in a playoff spot come tea time on Saturday yeah, I mean it's a it's a great uh, sort of couple of results that they've strung together, and um, you're absolutely right in what Gavin was saying um, after the game at Balmoor. Obviously, you know after the event, he was saying it had been coming, um, and you know it came together spectacularly on that occasion. But you know in the weeks leading up to that, he he was convinced that um, victories were on their way, and I suppose after the the game at Balmoor, he. He was also kind of saying that the challenge was to to go and take that into the league, which uh, ultimately they needed to do because it had only been one win up until that point. Um, so to go and emphatically beat Annan five one, um, just a, a huge lift for them. And obviously Kane Hester is just such an asset for them to score four goals uh, in that game. Just underlines his importance to the. The, the black and white side and looking at his stats for the season they're unbelievable already he's he scored in each of his last six games um, but scored 10 in the last six games if that makes sense it's not just been a goal each game um, so you know keeping him at the top of his game is is really uh, something that can be the difference I'm sure in trying to you know achieve that playoff ambition and it's been good to see young Dylan Lawrence score in the last couple of games as well. I think that's him off the mark for Elgin, uh, well, with his goal at Balmour to, to do that. So, um, you know, they're, they're obviously keen to try and, uh, you know, lessen the, the burden on Kane, but make the most of his uh, certainly predatory instincts while, uh, while they can. 
great for Elgin at the moment. And yeah, we totally understood what you were saying there. Andy Kane Hester scored in his last six games, but scored ten goals, so sixty goals in the last six games for <laughs> Kane Hester. Um, but yeah, that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thanks to Sean, Andy, and Jamie for joining me today. Cheers, guys. No problem. Thank you. No, thanks. Okay, let's hope the positivity, relative positivity, continues in the weeks ahead. If you've liked this episode, you can subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email any questions or queries to northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And finally, enjoy the football, whichever games you're watching this weekend. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.